For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. So glad you could join me. Uh, it's a little bit strange. You can see me if you if you uh, are watching this uh, right now. I'm recording this on a lovely uh, afternoon in California. I'm in Berkeley, California, at the home of um, one of my daughters visiting uh, her family, the grandchildren, uh, having a nice few days and. Uh, I decided, hey, let's just do this outside. Joined by Paul Burmeister. Hello, Paul. How are you? I, I am inside here in the dead of winter in Connecticut. We had a snow squall yesterday, Peter. Are, are you familiar with this weather phenomenon? I think I am. Yeah. 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 It was really something. There, there was no snow on the ground. Then the tornado-like snow came in and blew everywhere. And 15 minutes later, it looked like it had been snowing all weekend. But it was only wow. snowing for a few minutes. So it was, uh, it was really something. Wow. Well, hey, this is, uh, you know, it's the time of year when uh, we can go a lot of different directions on the podcast. And I thought I would sort of explain what we're going to do this week on the podcast. First of all, you're going to hear an extended conversation I had uh, with Aaron Donald, uh, the all world defensive tackle with the Rams. Uh, basically, my column, Football Morning in America, for the week after the Super Bowl is centered on Donald. I wrote very long on him, not just on what a dominant player he was down the stretch of this game, but also a little bit about his career, about his life, and uh, how I don't know, and we're going to discuss this in a little bit. I think it's 50-50 that he's going to retire. He's played eight years, and the Super Bowl championship is really the icing uh, on the cake for Aaron Donald. He certainly doesn't need to prove anything else right now about uh, how great a football player he is. So we'll see what he does. And we'll get into that. We'll, we'll discuss a lot of what uh, Aaron Donald has meant uh, to his team. And later on, you're going to get to hear my conversation in this podcast with, uh, with Aaron Donald. And one of the things I think you'll you'll appreciate. And one of the things I appreciated having done this for a long time is how absolutely effervescent was Aaron Donald, uh, Aaron Donald was in discussing what happened in this game and in discussing what a difference, a huge difference has made in his life. I mean, he, he went to a Laker game the first time he's, I mean, it seems crazy 
it's their, he's been out there five years. He'd never been to a Lakers game until the other night. And there he, you know, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Donald is sitting there on the sidelines uh, on the, uh, you know, at the basketball game and, and the Lakers ended up upsetting the jazz the Lakers aren't very good this year, I guess. And he, he, LeBron James comes over to him and tells him after the game, what an inspiration he was. Thanks a lot for coming and all that. So I thought that was kind of a, kind of a fun thing, but Paul, we'll talk a little bit about current events in the NFL, but I really wanted to ask you your thoughts, all your years in football. I kind of look at Aaron Donald and what he's done in his eight years. To me, he is right in the pantheon in, you know, in, in the years I've covered nearly four decades covering the game. He's right up there uh, to me with Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White. Wanted to hear your, your thoughts about his performance in the Super Bowl and what you think of him. You know, I, I got to know him, I think it was 2013 when he was coming out, Peter. I hosted the Bronco Nagurski Award ceremony down in, I believe it was Charlotte, and he won that year. And I just remember thinking for a guy that uh, looked so mean and so disruptful on the field, he was just such a warm and fun presence. I mean, he was a guy that was easy to be around, and I haven't been around him a lot lately. And I know you have it in the last week, like you've discussed, but I don't think he's changed that much. And I always think of that when I watch him dominating now. Uh, he was so naive then, as, as anybody would be before the rookie season. But I don't think his demeanor has changed that much. And I always think it's fun to see that. But as far as, you know, how he reacted, Peter, and you wrote about this quite a bit with how the, the tears kept coming and he just couldn't stop crying. I went back and thought about how his seasons had ended in his previous seven years in the NFL, Peter. I mean, just hopeless the first three years. They were last yeah. in the division. So you have, a, you have a hopeless end of the season time and time again. And then you have just heartbreak. I mean, they lost at every level of the postseason, you know, wildcard, divisional, Super Bowl, just the, the, the different types of negative feelings he had at the end of seasons compared to what he must have felt Super Bowl Sunday. I, I just think it's really cool when you compare how his seasons have ended. Yeah, I, I always like when players have a certain amount of gratitude yeah. about where they are and what they have accomplished. And Paul, you know, I'm going to have to turn in my journalism card on this, I think. <laughs> but uh, I had four or five I thought about for a long time because I had heard that, oh, he's not going to talk about retirement. And, you know, he's not going to really share what he's thinking deep down inside. And I had told his agent, um, Brian Arold, I said, okay, I understand that, but I, I've got to ask him about it. You know, you, you need to understand that going in. I'm not going to ignore the subject. It's, it's an important subject. And so after listening to him for a while and then asking him about it, and he said, you know, I'm just living in the moment and I'm just not going to think about it right now. I mean, in essence, you'll hear him say that in this. I, I basically just thought we, you deserve that. You know, you deserve yeah. to make this decision whenever you want to make it. And Paul, this might be one of those decisions. And this is the thing that I kind of feel, okay? This might be one of those decisions that he and his wife, Erica, could have, could have made in one way. Could, could have, they could have, he could be thinking one thing going into the game. 
And then when he sees how excited everybody is and he sees the, you know, the, the, the great impact that winning this game has made and all that, maybe he says, hey, wait a second. Do I really want to go? Now, I don't want to be Tom Brady here. But <laughs> do I really want to go after eight years? This is, this is kind yeah. of fun with these guys. So right. I don't know. You know, athletes get emotional and they make decisions sometimes. And so I, I don't know. We'll see. Do you have a, a gut feeling about him, Paul? You know, I think it'll be hard to, to say no to come back to that team. To, to I mean, with, uh, with, with what Matthew Stafford has on the other side of the ball, he's got a lot of young teammates around him. So I bet he comes back, but I'm with you. 50-50 sounds about right. And I think one of the very cool parts about if he does hang it up, look at what's happened to the Hall of Fame. And you're right there with all of these voters every time it goes down to the offseason. My old colleagues and friends, Tony Baselli, they got in. Uh, Terrell Davis got in. And these are guys that didn't have a lot of years of greatness compared to some guys who did it for 12 or 14 years, right, but right. they were good enough where they, they finally got in. And so I'm sure that's not on his mind, but he, he's a slam dunk hall of famer. And it's just emphasized by the fact that some guys with short, wonderful careers have gotten in recently. Yeah. So let's, let's take a few minutes here and do a couple of tributaries coming off the Super Bowl, And then we'll look around the league. So, Sean McVay, uh, Paul, we, uh, you know, for those of us who uh, are kind of close to the league and, and have covered the league for a while, I had heard out in Los Angeles that, that he, he had an agent who was really seeking uh, the best possible offers that he could get out there in the TV community. And it wasn't just, hey, would you have any interest in Sean McVay? It was, you know, I think in places like ESPN and Amazon, uh, you know, and for those who don't know, the Thursday night games this year, this coming year, will be on Amazon Prime. <coughs> and I, everybody in the TV community really has heard that they want to hit a home run right out of the box. So they're going to try to get the best broadcast team they can. A lot of reports about Al Michaels, uh, our, uh, you know, our peer over at NBC, uh, you know, being involved with the, uh, with the Amazon deal. But, but anyway, so I, I, had, I had heard a lot of, a lot about it. And I think that McVeigh, you, you now hear, you know, his fiance has said uh, he definitely is going to play again. Uh, her quote on Instagram was he is not retiring, not in all caps. So that probably is the case. And, and to me, an exclamation point, as I reported in my column this week, uh, why would Sean McVay hire on Friday interview and then hire a new linebackers coach, Chris Beak, formerly of the Broncos, uh, if he were retiring. Why would he interview four candidates for the vacant offensive coordinator job if he was thinking, eh, maybe I'm not staying? So to me, it sounds like he's staying. And, and I make this point in my column, Paul, that 
I think that Tony Romo has really changed the world. When CBS agreed to pay Tony Romo $17.5 million uh, to be a game analyst for, I guess it's 20 or 21 games a year on average, when they agreed to pay him that, that really changed the playing field. Uh, and it changed the playing field because essentially it now, it now says to anybody who's going to be a big star and do this job, heck, you're going to make over 15 million bucks. So if you're Sean McVay, you're going to make more money being on TV than you are in your current contract to coach the Rams. And by the way, I kind of find it ironic that, you know, what was it? Three years ago, four years ago, maybe that Dean Blandino left the NFL for the riches of Fox. Mm -hmm. And, and now, you know, they're, they're trying to take the brightest young coach in the game, Sean McVay away from the Super Bowl champions. Now television is, yeah, it's kind of weird that, that, <laughs> that television is taking away yeah. all of these, uh, you know, all these stars in the NFL. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Give me your thoughts on, on McVay. I mean, what an advantageous position to be in, Peter. I mean, people end up in these spots all the time, but you think about what's in one hand compared to the other, if it is indeed playing out that way, do I want more millions for a job that is still a lot of work, but it's less stressful? Might be even more fun to be on TV, or do yeah. I want the lure of chasing another Super Bowl ring for just a, right. you know, a few less millions? I mean, I mean, bravo! You know, congratulations to him for putting himself in that spot. I mean, that is position A. I think he comes back for this reason, Peter. Even though he's young, I mean, he appears to be a super smart guy, and with that comes a perspective of he's a bright mind offensively, expansive offense. He has a quarterback right now that can make every throw he wants for his offense, right. and then some. He could be a wonderful coach until he's 65. And once Stafford retires, he might not ever be in that spot again. So uh, I'm sure he's having fun thinking about these two things. Uh, but in the end, I mean, having Stafford there to run his offense at an ARA plus, I, I think brings him back. Paul, let's, let's broaden our focus uh, to the rest of the league. I thought it would be good to, to spend a minute and each of us giving an observation on what you thought what is your one big takeaway from the 102nd NFL season what's the one thing about this year that you are uh that that you that you thought was really really impactful yeah I oftentimes in these uh situations Peter I, I try to step away from the quarterback lens but I, I think I'd be doing what we saw in the league this year the service as I look back and sum it up if I don't go to the quarterbacks I'm going to start with a conversation we had early to midseason, Peter. I don't remember exactly when, but we talked about the quarterback play in the middle and how it was better than ever. I, I said that, you know, quarterbacks yeah. 10 through 25 are pretty darn good, probably better than it's ever been. I think you agreed with me. And as the season went on, I didn't come off of that stance, but what I'm adding to it in the total summary is, yeah, the middle is really, really good. But the difference between the middle and the great quarterbacks I feel like it's, it is as wide as it's been. It's a super big gap. You think about Allen, Mahomes, Brady, who's gone, Rodgers, who might be gone, a um, couple of the other bigger names up there, Stafford. And then like a 
Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. I mean, anybody else you want to throw in the middle, Derek Carr? It's a giant gap. So on one hand, it's super fun to know you turn on a game, you're going to see some pretty good quarterback play, no matter who it is likely. But are you going to are you going to be watching a team that has a chance to win the Super Bowl? Probably not, unless you have one of those four or five guys, because the difference to me is just massive. Yeah, that's really I, I I'm going to go into the quarterback vein a little bit myself. And I'm going to say that, uh, you know, my big takeaway from this year is the Cincinnati Bengals are a factor again. And look, I think all of us who like football and watch football a lot, basically look at football. And we thought that there are some things that are never going to change. Not that the Bengals were, were always going to be hapless, especially after they drafted Joe Burrow, but that uh, the Bengals, uh, you know, were never really going to be great just because no one really had a lot of faith in their personnel process. No one really knew about Zach Taylor and winning six games in the first two years is no, uh, you know, is no way to, to try to get a long-term commitment from your team. But this year, I think the thing that really interested me about the Bengals is that it was not only Joe Burrow and his return that made him great, but that defense, you know, Trey Hendrickson, a great football player, uh, and so many factors on that defense that finally you're going to get to see. And, I don't know, Paul. I, I look at the Bengals now. They went 6-0 and against three premier teams in the AFC, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know that I ever thought in my lifetime we would ever see that. But, you know, my, my, my takeaway is how the Bengals have really risen to prominence. And I would add just as a, as a tag to the Bengals thought, Joe Burrow's awesome. Jamar Chase is awesome. Look at how many hits they have rounds two through seven there, Peter. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about McPherson. You want to talk about Wilson. I mean, whatever it is, there's examples everywhere. So in a way, it's non-traditional. They don't have the traditional GM. Uh, but, but their drafts recently have been really, really good. Yeah, very, very good. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Um... 
Paul, let's go to a few other league events. Uh, Brian Flory is getting picked up by the Steelers. He's going to be a senior defensive assistant slash linebackers coach. I love the fit for Pittsburgh. You know, and one of the reasons I really like this is that this was not some outlier team. This was not the Jaguars or, or somebody taking a shot on, uh, you know, on Brian Flores after so many teams in the NFL would have said, oh, we don't want to have anything to do with you because of your lawsuit against the NFL. So I think I really like what the Steelers have done. And I just simply like the fact that they said, we're going to take the best possible coach to add to our, to our defensive staff. So I, I really liked what, uh, what Mike Tomlin and, and the Roonies have done. What a get there. I mean, what a coveted, yeah. um, you know, all that knowledge and experience, not just with the success he had in Miami as a head coach, but I mean, seven seasons of his near decade in New England, he was working with safeties and linebackers under Bill Belichick. Right. And to bring all of that to Pittsburgh, I think is wonderful. I had a couple of questions for you on that one, though. I mean, does it count as a surprise to you that he's right back in the league? And do, do you think Pittsburgh had to get some kind of okay with the league to get the official green light to make it happen? I doubt it. Uh, I'm sure that if, uh, if Flores had been convinced or if anyone on his legal team had even heard a whisper that there was a campaign to make sure he didn't get a job in the NFL, I'm sure that would have quadrupled the aggressiveness of that lawsuit. So no, I don't, I really don't think, I don't know this, Paul, but I don't think the league uh, had to give a nod and a wink and an okay for him to hire. I just think the Steelers hired the best man for the job. Uh, I want to, this is a bit of a 180. I was really, really curious of what you thought of what Bob McGinn the very respected longtime football writer uh, who's now uh, contributes to Go Long, a Substack publication with Tyler Dunn. And he had a very critical, well, I shouldn't say very critical, a somewhat critical look at the MVP season of Aaron Rodgers, in which he said, and I'm going to read this to you. And Paul, you are a former quarterback at a high level, we talk about this all the time. And it's why I really value your opinion on matters like this. So I'm, I'm gonna read you what Bob McGinn wrote about Aaron Rodgers. I put it in my column this week. Rodgers for years has played a careful calculating game, understanding that number of interceptions plays a disproportionate nonsensical role in the passer rating formula. Bad interceptions are, well, bad. Then there are interceptions that are the cost of doing business for unselfish, competitive, stats-immune quarterbacks battling to make plays and to lead comebacks until the bitter end. When a quarterback, especially one with a powerful, usually accurate arm like Rodgers, deliberately minimizes chances to deliver a big play for fear of an interception, that's just hurting his team. In the playoff game against San Francisco, a modest talent like Jimmy Garoppolo was under every bit as much as much 
pass rush pressure as Rodgers, but drilled more tight window completions down the field, largely because he wasn't afraid of a pick and of the moment. End quote. Your impression. When I got hired to NFL Network in 2004, Peter, I remember reading Bob McGinn and being impressed. And like, he's a guy I've been following for nearly two decades. I, I come on the other side here. I take opposition to what he said there. Now, I would need to go back and watch that 49ers game. Uh, maybe I should. With that thought in mind, was Aaron too careful in this game? A um, couple of things I want to bring up here uh, on the other side. Number one. We talked about this throughout the season as we got close to the playoffs. Green Bay had a very small uh, margin of error with the way they played. They won all those games. They got the top seed because their quarterback didn't turn the ball over. Uh, it fit in perfectly to, to not only how they won, but a lot of times why they won, that he only threw two interceptions after the first week of the season. And to me, what made his season superb, Peter, wasn't that he didn't throw a lot of picks, is that he routinely fit the ball into tight spaces down the field. The numbers back it up. I mean, his yards per attempt were one of the top five or six in the league, I believe. And you could go back to really any game and find multiple highlights where he made a throw. You're like, wow, I, I didn't know somebody could get it in there. He did that a lot. He didn't do it against San Francisco. Uh, but I don't think that Aaron Rodgers, I would not have labeled his game anytime this season as worried about interceptions. I thought he was really wise and strategic about when he showed off his accuracy and arm strength. And I, I thought he did it a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm of two minds on this. I do think that in his career, Rogers has played a little bit careful and look, there's no denying the fact that since he won his Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is, I think it's now been 11 years, is seven and nine in playoff games. And of course, has not gotten back to another Super Bowl. His last two playoff games have been ignominious home losses yeah. to Tampa as the number one seed. And obviously this year to San Francisco as the number one seed. So he's got to take his share of responsibility in being a great quarterback who didn't make big plays, enough big plays in either one of those games. I think McGinn's criticisms are valid. In my opinion, I think they go a little too far as you do. And there is also a flip side to saying, uh, you know, we're okay with, you know, with taking chances and throwing interceptions. And that flip side could be, what if you throw a couple of bad interceptions trying to make big plays down the field and it costs you a win or two and it costs you the number one seed. So again, look, I think there's two sides to this. I voted for Rogers for MVP this year. And I also think that part of McGinn's criticism is that he includes the full season in whether he would, would have yeah. voted. He's not a voter for the MVP. I don't think. I'm pretty sure he's not. Um, and, you know, and the, and the MVP voting does not include, um, you know, postseason games. But I just think uh, on balance, it's a very interesting discussion point. Uh, and I think it's worth further study. I'd love to see the 10 plays this year where Bob McGinn, and I may, I may call him this offseason, I 
and ask him, give me 10 plays this season where you felt like, man, he really needs to take a shot downfield. But I, I, I appreciate that as a quarterback, you're not, you, although you respect McGinn, you're not in the same league with him on this one. No, and, and again, Peter, I, I kind of let off with this. Let's not forget that Green Bay had this formula where they were winning close games. They weren't winning 31 yeah. to 13 very often. They don't have giant home run threats down the field. They weren't a big play offense. They needed a quarterback who mixed in the risk-taking throw with taking care of the ball, and that formula worked all season, and it worked because Rodgers kind of walked that fine line really, really well. Paul, let's let's end this podcast with, uh, or our part of this podcast with, a discussion point that I, I find, um, I think this questions like this are asked because we have too much time on our hands <laughs> and, uh, and we've got to fill time and space and, and internet columns. But there was a narrative that started sprouting up during Super Bowl week. Well, Michael Irvin said it, uh, several other players and, and some media people have said it that, well, if, if Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl, uh, that clinches his, uh, you know, his Hall of Fame bid. He'll have a bronze bust one day. And, you know, look, this is not a point about Matthew Stafford per se, other than to to make a point about his hall of fame cases. I wrote my column this week. I actually think this is two questions. All right. If you think that Matthew Stafford has clinched his, his hall of fame spot by winning the super bowl this year, then that means that you think that whether he plays another snap in the NFL, he's a hall of famer. And it's actually, I think it's one of two questions. A, do you think Matthew Stafford has clinched a spot in the Hall of Fame right now? Or B, if Matthew Stafford has a respectable, one more deep playoff run, four or five more really good years, uh, should he be a Hall of Famer? Those are two distinct questions. On the first one, I would say absolutely not. I don't think he's clinched a playoff spot. And, and as I wrote in my column, there's probably about 15 players, 15 quarterbacks in this era of football who uh, you would look at and say, you know, from, and I put this areas because I want to, you know, incorporate all of Stafford's time from 2005 to 2030. Yeah. I can, I can think of about half the starting quarterbacks in the league in that period of time for with long careers who could make cases or eventually will make cases to be in the hall of fame and the hall of fame other than as i uh researched at the running back position in the 60s and 70s really uh where i think i, I think there were 13 uh, running backs between 55 and 80 uh, who ended up making the Hall of Fame. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame has not put, in essence, 
half the starters in the league uh, at one position in the Hall of Fame from one distinct era. So I guess I would say no, but his career's not done. And then mm -hmm. we'll see. How do you look at it? I like to look at these, and I, I agree that this is the time of year where the, the draft hasn't heated up yet, where there certainly is too much time, and we, we kind of dive into topics like this, but it's also kind of fun. I like to attach specifics to this because I think it is a legitimate conversation. So, Peter, you might be in the room and I don't know, eight or nine years, and it's like, we're only putting one quarterback in this year, guys. Is it going to be Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, or Matthew Stafford? I mean, like, what are you going to do at that point? Let's say the Rams don't win another one. Let's say Matthew has a couple good more years, hangs it up. Who's it going to be? I mean, the better, sorry about that. The better regular seasons are Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan, but he, Stafford has the one Super Bowl. So how much do you put into, how much stock do you put into that Super Bowl title when you're comparing him to other quarterbacks who had wonderful regular seasons, probably better regular seasons for a longer period of time than he did? The interesting thing is, Paul, I think, by 2030, there are going to be, oh, and I tried to figure it out the other day. My best guess, you know, in the 80s, when I started covering football, 1984, the, uh, the leading passer of all time was Fran Tarkenton with 47,003 yards. That's how many yards he had thrown for. And so I think by about 2025 or so, I think Fran Targenton has got a chance to be about 20th. <laughs> and so that just tells you what exactly has happened in the sport over a long period of time. And I decided when I heard this question, and then I looked at the numbers, that one of my off-season columns is going to be how should how should we judge the quarterback position anymore? Yeah, because I, I think it's I think the numbers are so stratospheric, and everybody who says to me, "Oh my God, Eli Manning, he doesn't deserve it," you know, he he has all these numbers, but he's a compiler and all that other stuff. And I said, "Now, let's just." wait a minute on Eli and look, they, we could, we could have the same discussion about a lot of quarterbacks, but my Eli Manning point to people is I do understand that he had some cranky seasons and he, I mean, Eli Manning won playoff games in only two years in his career, but those two years <laughs> yeah. he beat, Tom Brady and two of the best teams in modern NFL history. Right. So I, I don't know what you want me to say other than, you know, somebody made that pass to Mario Manningham, <laughs> you know, nine years ago or yeah. 10 years ago, whenever it was. And, and, you know, so, and somebody made all these great throws in huge moments you did. against you the did. great and powerful Belichick. So yeah. I, I, I mean, personally, I'm not, you know, I'm not in, in bed with Eli Manning or anything like that. And, but I, I mean, I don't know how you don't vote for Eli Manning for the Hall of Fame. That's me personally. There's a lot of people who won't vote for him, I think, or wouldn't. Right. But right. 
there are so many different ways to look at the quarterback position. And I've just decided you and I, one week this offseason, are going to discuss what quarterback numbers and impact mean awesome. today yeah. versus at all other points in NFL history. Yeah. We'll have a we'll have a good time with it. Sounds good. And they're, they're going to have to be quarterbacks in the next 10 years, Peter, that had great careers that don't get in because the numbers are so astronomical compared to yeah. what they used to be. It's just going to be hard to compare numbers. And anytime I hear Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame, Peter, we could spend an entire podcast talking about, okay, one guy gets in with two Super Bowl victories. Should it be Jim Plunkett or should it be Eli Manning? I mean, people don't bring up Plunkett. I know he didn't have the great throws against Belichick, but he quarterbacked two teams to Super Bowl wins as well. So, I mean, there's just a, a lot of fun ways to kick that around as we kind of approach this, as you say, the, the time yeah. of the year where we have too much time on our hands. Paul, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week and we'll, um, we'll really start to preview this off season. We'll get into a little bit of combine stuff. It's absolutely incredible to me. But next week is the scouting combine. Hmm. It just seems absurd that, you know, usually there's some time. And look at me right now. I, I am spending this week away, uh, even though I'm doing some work. But it, it's just it just has really crept up on us. But we'll do some of that next week. Right now, I'm going to get into my conversation with Aaron Donald. We spent, I think, 38 minutes on the uh, on Zoom. Uh, last Thursday, and I want to bring that conversation to you in full right now. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So back with Aaron Donald, um, Aaron, I, I, there's just so many things about this game and about your role in this game that interest me so much. But I, I want to tell you one thing. I've been doing stories the week after the Super Bowl with sort of the star of the game. And it's almost always the quarterback. It just is. I've done it twice with Tom Brady. I, uh, I did it with Eli Manning after his game, Nick Foles, all, you know, but what's, what struck me so much about this game 
being around the Rams a little bit the week before the game, this team really wanted to win this game for you. You know, it wasn't, hey, let's win it for Stan Kroenke or for the, you know, it was like, you have been through the tough times and you, you were with the bad Rams. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you ended up winning it. And so I, I guess I'll start off by saying, uh, or by asking, did you feel that from your team in the few days before the game? Did anybody walk up to you and say, dude, we, we really want this for you more than anything else? Oh, I think a lot of guys were saying that it was, I lost my voice, by the way, but a lot of guys were saying that a lot of coaches was coming up to me saying that. So to hear that, you know, it mean a lot, you know, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of guys you're going out to war with every day. It's like, they want to accomplish that for you. But like I told them, it ain't about me. You know, we, we doing it for us. So it, it's definitely special, man. It's, it's a real, like you said, I was there when we was in St. Louis. We wasn't the best team. We wasn't a playoff contending team. We transitioned. We come to California. Um, first year ain't what it is. We get a new a new young head coach. You don't know what to expect. And, and then, you know, we work to get to this point. So it's like, you know, you just keep working. You keep working. You keep building up to, like, to accomplish something like this. It's like a dream come true. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to put it in words. And, you know, your, your emotions be all over the place at times but you're still living in a moment so it's still sinking in so um you know it, it, it means a lot man just to have the group of guys we got with with the coaches we got and the way they feel and like the real love we got for each other um i think we just had a special group and we did something special this year man and um, we forever indebted until you know being world champs special you know what what i thought was really really cool after the game it was in your post-game interview on the field. It was when you did your press conference underneath the stadium. I think it was with Jada, right? Jada was with you, your daughter. I mean, you know, yes. she's just the cutest thing. She was looking out and she's saying, oh my God, what's going on out here, daddy? But, but, <laughs> but, but everything. And then, you know, at the parade, you were just, you're joyous. It's, it's, it means so much to you. You can't fake this. You really you can. can't. And, and, can. and so I, I just wonder, I know we're, we're a few days removed from it, but is that really how it feels to you? It, it just feels like, just imagine being a kid. You got to think, I've been playing football since I was five or six years old, right? And I always talked about, I want to make it to the NFL. I want to make it to the NFL, but you know, I always set high goals and, and expectations for me to accomplish, but, you know, I surpassed anything that I ever thought was possible. So um, I'm, I remember being a kid watching the Super Bowl, cheering for the Steelers. You know, I got to play my second Super Bowl and win one. So it's just special, man. You, it's like a special moment. You, it's hard to put it in words because, like I said, you got the guys you work with and then you get the experiences with your family, like my kids, my wife. This is stuff that's going to be like, they remember that type of stuff for the rest of their lives, man. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. So it, it, it's, it's just a special moment. And when people talk to me about it, all I can keep saying is I'm just living in the moment right now. It's like you just got to be in the moment. You got to enjoy it. You got to just enjoy the process. I ain't really beginning. I ain't getting no sleep yet. And, and I'm just enjoying that just because you know, I'm just I'm just taking it all in, man. It's honestly, I'm just 
anything that's getting thrown my way, I just want to, I want to do it because I just want to experience everything. Like I went to my first Laker game yesterday. It's like, I, I'm wait a minute, of- wait a minute, wait a minute. That's yeah. your first Laker game. My first Laker game. Yeah. Aren't you a basketball fan or are you not? I'm, I'm a LeBron. I ain't gonna lie. I'm a LeBron fan. So, you know, I try to watch the playoffs and tune in, but um, actually been in the building, feet, feet was on the wood, got to see it close up and, and, and live, man. And for them to pull that game off how they did, um, it, it, was, it was pretty cool, pretty special. So. After the game, LeBron James went up to you and, and talked to you a little bit and gave you an embrace. What was that like? And what do you remember him saying to you? I mean, it was special, man. He, he pretty much just, you know, gave me a five, gave me a hug and congratulated me and, and pretty much told me um, I'm the best defensive player you ever watched play, you know? So, wow. you know, to hear that from a great like that, man, a guy that, you know, that, that motivate me, you know, even though we in two different professions, but the things he was able to accomplish in his career, the things he's able to do, um, you feed off guys that have a success. You, you, you try to, you know, not imitate it and, and try to do what you can to, you know, reach that type of success as far as being champions and things like that. So um, to hear that from a guy like that, man, it, it's definitely special, man. So like I said, you just got to, you got to enjoy the moment, soak it all in. Um, you know, cause it, it's a blessing. It's a, it's a, it's a blessing. Um, not to just win a Super Bowl, but, you know, to win it in our own stadium, um, in, a, in a city that we live in with, with all the fans being there and, um, it, it's special. It's special. I want to go back to five years ago when the Rams were coming off a lousy, you know, debut in Los Angeles, playing at the Coliseum, another losing record. And mm-hmm. the Rams decide to fire Jeff Fisher. And in his place, they hire a 30 year old coach. And I don't know, you probably don't get into reading all that much stuff in the media, but there was a lot of criticism for them hiring a coach who had never been a head coach before, who was 30 years old. And I I wonder, the day you heard that they were hiring Sean McVay, what's your absolute first thing that went through your mind? Well, honestly, before they hired him, um, the first meeting they had a meeting with him, they, I actually, they actually um, had me meet him at the hotel. So I got to meet him before it was all even out to the media. So I remember walking into a room um, and they said that the new, we're going to hire this guy. I want, I want you to talk to me. And they said, I want you to let us know what you think. I walked in the room. I'm looking around. I see this young coach just sitting there. I'm like, I know that's not the head coach they about to get, is it? <laughs> this young guy just walk up, shake my hand, I'm talking. I'm like, what is this? But you know, but just talking with him, man. And, um, you know, you, you kind of feel with you. You never know what to expect, but you know, when he was speaking at the time and the things he was saying, he, he gonna bring. Um, you you feel confident about it, but at the same time, you still got to see how you know everything transition, how everything work out, and um, it ended it ended up, up being an amazing hire. Um, it, it been a blessing to you know have him as my head coach and, and play with him. Um, build the bond with him, a close relationship with him. And, um, you know, like I told him yesterday, you know, um, I appreciate him. You know, I know they say they do a lot for me, but like I told him, I, I was here before him and, and I and I couldn't get the job done. You know, so we we do this all together. You need everybody to do their position, do their part, to help accomplish something like this. And, and I believe that, 
you know, have him as our head coach with the man he got and, you know, the guys he was able to bring in and what he was able to create, what we was able to create um, is special, man. So, you know, at, at times, I remember seeing him and having no clue, you know, but to see the, the come full circle and, and we'd be sitting here right now as, you know, a Super Bowl champion, um, you know, it, it's crazy. Aaron, when you walked off the field three years ago after losing the Super Bowl to the Patriots, you guys had a very good defensive game, but you didn't win the game. You lost 13 to three. Do you remember walking off the field that day and what you felt? I, I, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken. I remember walking out crying like a baby because um, you worked so hard to get to that point, right? So all, all the training you do through the off season, all the long days at work, all the extra film, it's to play in games like that and have opportunities to win. So if anything, it, it motivated me. It pushed me to do everything in my power to try to get back to that, to that game and do more. You know, I felt like I didn't do enough the first time. So um, this second time around, you know, I had the experience, I had the mindset, I knew, I knew how to go about things. And I knew what I needed to do. I needed to up my level as far as a player, as far as a leader. Um, so I could do everything in my power to, you know, make sure that we had our best chance to be world champions. So um, the, the best thing I took about took out that lot out the Super Bowl losses, you know, it, it just motivated me. It, it pushed me to work that much harder. Um, it made me that much more hungry. You know, you kind of understand what you plan for. After that. It, it, it ain't a, it ain't about individual stats individual awards it's a blessing to accomplish that it is but this feeling here being a world champion it's a different type of feeling you know this is this is what you work for this this here because don't ain't nothing like it in the world I'm telling you like Von Miller was saying the, the whole town leading up to it it's, it's football heaven it truly is football heaven man and and we living in it right now so you know it's amazing I saw you speak after winning the defensive player of the year, one of the three times you won it and you were happy, but today you're effervescent. You're, you're almost explosive with joy. <laughs> and there is a difference, isn't there, between an individual honor like defensive player of the year and winning a team thing like the Super Bowl? hundred percent. Like I said, Individual award, it's a blessing to accomplish things and you'll be happy, but this here, being the last team standing, a world champion, and you get to share that with the guys you went to war with. You get to share this with your, all the fans, your family get this experience this with you. There's nothing else like it in the world. After we won a Super Bowl, we did, a, we did, we was on the field. You know, you do, your, you on TV. My kids, all my, all three of my kids, my wife is all with me on TV. Like, that's the type of experience that, that, like you, you can't, you know, you can't dream no bigger than that, man. So it's like, if if you ain't playing for this, if you ain't playing to be a world champion, man, then you're in the wrong business. You know, I I truly believe that. So, um, you know, I, I was chasing a long time to try to, you know, get to feel like this and accomplish this. So, to be living in it right now, man, I can't say it enough. I'm I'm just in the moment and I'm just soaking it all up. I'm just soaking it all up. And Aaron, just, I I wonder when you were in St. Louis. Did any part of you used to think, hey, well, you know, I'm going to have a really nice career, but man, we are really far away from winning it all. And if I don't win it all, hey, it's okay. Not everybody gets to win a Super Bowl. 
What was it like losing as much as you lost in St. Louis? It's horrible. It's the worst feeling in the world. I, I said all. I tell people all the time, it's the worst feeling in the world. You know, it's it's kind of like you you. It's like you keep studying for the test, but you still you just keep failing. You know, you ain't passing. You know, so um, winning 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 is a, a a great high. You know, it's it's a high you got to be on, man. So, um, losing it, 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 it puts you in a in a bad place, bad energy, minds all. You know, I feel like when we're losing, I made you know, I think. Like I do talk about like my or in St. Louis or or first year in, in, in California or LA. You know, that was one of the years I got my most, you know, fans just from doing silly things, just losing, man. It it just bring the worst out of people. Sometimes it bring the best, sometimes it bring the worst, but it, it, it's a horrible feeling when you're losing. You know? Ain't nothing like winning. I can tell you that much. <laughs> ain't, ain't nothing like being a winner. And right now, hey, we on top of the world. Look at you. <laughs> we on top of the world. <laughs> Aaron, I want to fast forward to this game and ask you a few questions about this game. So I think most people thought coming into this game that, man, if Joe Burrow gets time to throw, he's dangerous. And it, it, they got three great receivers. And so can you tell me a little bit about what Raheem Morris told you guys, told you told the guys on your line about what was really important in this game to make sure that it, not only you were going to be able to win, but you were going to be able to disrupt Burrow. Yeah, well, that, that's, I think every week, I feel like they want to put it on our shoulders. You get out, you get off the quarterback, you, you find a way to put pressure on quarterback, hit sacks. I feel like a defensive line, as a, as a defensive line, you can take over a game. So, um, he kind of just told us he gave us some speeches, some good speeches to rile us up early in the week. Um, you know, he pretty much told us to go out there, let's go eat, you know, let's go eat. And that's what we want. You know, we had two weeks to study, you know, so I had two weeks to prepare for this team, break each offensive lineman down to a T, got to break the quarterback down to a T to the point where how long he hold the ball, what he do, how if I'm if I'm there, if I know how he's gonna try to spin out and, and get out, get out the sack. So I got to study it to a T. So I, I was ready for the test. Now like, all we had to do is go out there and execute it. And you know, the the first half, I think, you know, they did a good job of getting the ball out quick, you know. Quick, yeah. Um, you know, he's a young guy that probably got a little, you know, he wanted to hold it a little longer and get them deep balls. And that's when we started taking advantage of it the second half of the game. So I was able to give some blitzes and at times get the one-on-one -on -one looks that we wanted. We knew he was gonna take advantage of. So um, we, we, we knew up front, we know, I think we, we knew we had the advantage. We just had to go out there and execute it. Um, like I said, you, you broke down film, you, you, you see the weaknesses, you see the strengths, you see what we, you know, against us, against you got, you got, got, got like Flo, you got Vaughn Miller, great games, you got Sean Robinson, you got myself. So we was confident. We just had to go out there and execute it and, and make it happen, bring it to life. And I think, you know, first half wasn't what we wanted, but we found a way to, the second half to take over the game and we, and we found a way to, um, doing what we needed to, and we, and we won. Did you, uh, were you shocked on the first play of the second half when there was the 75-yard touchdown pass to T. Higgins? Yeah, I was. Because I, on that play, I actually tried to split it. I could have. So I was in the four-eye. The guard, the guard blocked down. I kind of split it. The tackle kind of washed me down a little bit. And I tried to get the quarterback, but he kind of stepped away and he threw the ball. And I'm like, 
you know, you kind of they, they they get a big momentum play like that, the first play out of the half. So it's like, you know, you got to talk go on the sideline, let, let everybody stay locked in, you know, make sure that, you know, we, we're going to win this game. You got to have confidence, you know. You know, I knew at times, you know, our offense was getting slowed down a little bit, but we we, we confident as a team that I knew, I knew, I knew the game was gonna come down to the defense after to make the last play. I, I knew that. I promise you, I felt that in my heart, just because I, I, I'm confident that them guys on the offense side of the ball was gonna get it going. We just had to do our job on defense. They scored. It come down to a minute something left in the game. They put it on the defensive shoulder to close it out to be world champions. You couldn't write that no better. You couldn't want it no better. Like you, you, you live for moments like that. This, that's when great players is made. This big time players show up in big time games when need be, and you 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 feed off that. You live off that, and that, and that if that don't get you, so I'm, I'm, I got the chills talking about it right now. Like you live for moments like that, though. Like you live for that. So I'm um, gonna have the opportunity to, to, to try to close out a game to be a world champion, and we do that. Come on, man. It's it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Three, three plays in the second half I want to talk to you about. Right after the touchdown pass to T. Higgins, there's an interception. Bengals get the ball back. Second and 10. You got to run a long way, but you get one of those <laughs> sideline sacks. You get them yeah. for one yard. And the replay showed it over and over again that you hit Burrow and he still had a foot in bounds. It was a yeah. it was a legal play. But the Bengals came after you right on that play. Tell me what you remember about that play and what do you remember about the Bengals' reaction and your reaction? Well, it was a play. It was a hustle play. I, you know, I, I, I caught him over there. You know, he tried to shake me. I didn't bite on it, you know, and I, and I was able to just give him a little push. You know, I, I, actually, Burrow was the one. He, he looked at me like, hey, Aaron, that was a good, that was a clean play. The quarterback told me that, and I'm, I'm, I'm about to walk out. I just still, I feel like everybody start pushing and hitting me. You know, I almost lost it. I'm like, I forgot I was in the Super Bowl. I was about to try to fight. You know, the refs kind of like, Aaron, just get out of here. So, you know, you know, they already got me mad now. They want to push on me, say all these types of words to me now. Oh, you just woke me up. You know, you just woke me up. We, we did a certain look. We, we I sent the blitz to the point where we was able to get a 5 vote. We put that, put the linebacker over that center. Bang. I got, to, I got a true one-on-one. Number 77, he did a little talking, so I wanted to show him how strong I was, gave him a little power, boom, and pretty much bowled him to the quarterback. And, and we made a big play when we needed to. We, we, you know, they get three points out of it, but, you know, out of a, of, over a short field turnover, we stood tall, we bowled up, we found the way to, you know, not that allow was, you're, you're talking about the sack right before the field goal. They're at, they're at your 11-yard line yes. going in. Yes. And and Burrow gets sacked. You sack him for nine yards. You, you had two sacks on this series. And that's yes. the play you're talking about, that you had to come up with a big play on that to stop him from scoring seven. Yes. Yeah. So we, we bowed up when we needed to. And then and, and it couldn't be no better. You know, you want to you want to start pushing it and saying all these words to me. I, I like a little competition. We, we could play mean. Let's play mean. Then. So, you know, we, we, we can do that. So. We, we, I had a show. All right. So let's go to the last series. They take over with a minute 25 to go. Yes, they get a long throw to Jamar Chase. Yes, then they get another completion to Tyler Boyd. They're at your 49 with two timeouts left. Yes. Okay. He, uh, Burrow takes a shot downfield incomplete. But now it's yes. third and one. Yes. You're 49. 
48 seconds to go. They still got two timeouts to go. Tell me what was said in your huddle. What were you thinking going into third and one? Uh, you know, where they only need probably about 15 yards to get a field goal to send it to overtime. Well, third and one, I, I kind of knew they was going to try to run it on third and one. It, it makes sense. They had two timeouts left. So it was about being gap sound, bowing up. You know, I was able to, they tried to turn out. I was able to, you know, get good knock back on that guard, close that A gap up. I think great games, the nose tackle did a great job of collecting that A gap, making it small to the point where it was hard from the Swede through. I was able to get off, grab him with one arm, pull him back. When I tackled him, I actually thought he got the first down. I did. I, yeah. I really didn't realize that I stopped him short. So, uh, see, it was, it was four for one in my head. You know, I'm thinking they're gonna try to run the ball again. You know, so he the back was a little child, and, and they started, you know, saying they little checks that, that that told me it was a pass. I'm like, they about to try. We they about to try to throw this on four for one. I did. I did my go-to rush, my chop club. I knew they was gonna slide the protection to me. I'm gonna try to beat this guy on the edge as fast as I can. The tackle jumped out wide. I did the chop club, got to the edge. Were you able to pin surprised? Out. Were you surprised that the that the that the guard, the left guard, didn't get any help from the center or didn't get any he, help at all on that play? He he had to slide. The center missed me. I beat him. I, I beat him on the edge fast. So the center was still sliding to me. So I, I was able to chop club, get to the get to the edge. I pinged off the tackle. And if you see that the, the center tried to peel back late. He, he didn't slide hard enough, so he got a little lazy with the slide. All game, he was running over now, now. So he gave me that much time to be able to bend the edge and, and get past him, too. So it was it was really true. Uh, true still a double team, if you want to count the slide protection he had. But I was able to beat, beat him on the edge, so it was good. What <laughs> did you want? Did you think you were going to get to Burrow on that play? Did you see it? What's going through your head? Are you pretty excited? Yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly how I felt. I, once I felt that boom, boom, I, and I felt myself push off, and I seen Burrow do this. He did this, and he had the ball. And I'm like, I, 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 like it was like, in my head, I promise you, I'm like, I'm about to make this play. We're about to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, once I felt myself grabbing, I said, we just won a Super Bowl. I tried to get the ball, but once I spun it, he just threw it. My heart kind of dropped for a second because I was like, please, nobody catch it. Then I seen it. But like, as soon as I felt myself grab him, it, like, I promise you, I, I, I like, I was like, the whole time, take them to the ground. I said, we just won a Super Bowl. I just made this last play for us to win. I was like, you couldn't write it no better. You couldn't write it no better. I'm like, it was just, it felt good. It, was, it felt real good. Aaron, you know what's interesting? Most often in a Super Bowl, right at the end of the game, it's what Tom Brady or, you know, a big quarterback does. Or, you know, on the last play of the game or or a great catch by a Cooper Cup or something. Yeah. Very rarely in Super Bowl history is the last play of the game, a huge play made by a defensive player. And I just kept thinking to myself, you've probably been training for this for much of your life to be yes. able to do something like that. Have you ever imagined a moment like that? You think about it all the time. You know, when you when you visualize the game, when you when you think about being in big moments and big games like that, wanting to close out a game like that and make the big the big play. You know, that's why you do the extra the extra rep in a weight room. That's why you do the extra sprint during the offseason. That's why you exhaust your body. That's why you study so much film. Like so when when when, when certain opportunities come and present itself, you're already prepared and you're ready for. It. 
because you worked for it. You, you, you groomed yourself for that moment, right? So when, when, you, when you put it in your head and you visualize, visualize it so much, um, all you got to do now is just bring it to life. So, you know, a lot of people got dreams and live out dreams, but, you know, for for everything the play out how I did this year for us, um, I keep telling everybody, I'm gonna have to write a book on this season because it's like a, it's like a storybook ending. You couldn't like we had to play Arizona, a team that we was fighting for the NFC West to beat them in the first playoff game. We beat them. You got to go to Tampa and play one of the greatest player football winners ever to play the game. And Tom Brady, the guy that won seven Super Bowls, you got to find a way to beat him in Tampa to move on. And then me personally, I wanted to play the 49ers. Like I, I, I felt like if you after that, I told I told my dad after the after we lost to them that last game of the season, I said, I'm cheering, I'm cheering for the Niners this whole playoff run because I want I want them to win. I want it to come down to us after to beat them in so far to go to the Super Bowl. A team that beat us the last six times, a team that we to be honest, we don't like it's a rivalry. It, it means something. <laughs> You couldn't write it no better than you did. Then you do that and then have opportunity to play, play the Super Bowl in your own stadium. It's like, you guys just saying that all. I, I feel like I got to write a book on this season because it's like, it's like a storybook ending, man. It really is. You know, I also remember that last year when you weren't healthy at Green Bay, yeah. the last game of the season, you know, the cameras caught you in a close up and either you were sweating a lot or you were crying. <laughs> And it was like one of the saddest pictures I remember. And I remember, I forget whether it was somebody wrote this or it was an announcer. I hope that's not Aaron Donald's last chance to get to a really big game because you weren't yourself a year ago. And now you had an opportunity to be yourself, you know? Yeah. I, the, the thing about that Green Bay game, like, you know, you 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 get you getting so close to you know to get to a Super Bowl and you fall short. What broke my heart the most, I felt like I wasn't at my best. I wasn't healthy. I wasn't able to, you know, really help my team to, to move on and accomplish something that we've been working for. You know, so I felt like I let them down, man. So, you know, me personally, that, that that just hit me different. It just you know it just hit different, man, because you you want something so bad, but you can't like you just ain't got the strength to play how you got to play or make plays to help. You know give us a chance to move on. You know, I'm a piece to the puzzle. I'm not everything. I'm just a piece to the puzzle. And, and I wasn't able to be that piece for my team. So um, you, that hurt it, man. It, it really did, man. And like, I probably, I was I was down for a while. I, I, I don't think I never cried that much, you know, after a game. I was in a shower. I was in a locker. I just couldn't stop crying. My, like, my heart was just broke. So, you know, to experience that and then the next year, you know, experience this, all smiles, no, all the crying you see is happy cry, happy tears. I'm proud of my guys. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of, you know, the LA fans for showing so much love. You know, I'm happy I got to share that with my wife and my kids. Like, it's, it's, it's just a different feel, man. It's like, like I said, it's like, it's a high. You want a high right now, man. When is like on a high, it's, a, it's like, it's one of the best feelings in the world. You've now accomplished everything that a player could accomplish. You won all the individual awards, all the all pros, and now you've won a Super Bowl. I could see some people would say, well, he's done it all. Time to move on in life. And I can see other people saying, oh, my God, why would he leave now? <laughs> so what thoughts are, you go are going through your head a few days after the game about whether you're going to keep playing? 
you know, I, I'm just in the moment. You know, I, I can't say that enough. Like, cause I'm still in the moment. I'm still soaking it up. It's still like it's still new. It's still it, you know, it's been a few days, but it, it's still new. So I'm still enjoying this, um, enjoying it with my family. So, you know, I, I've been blessed. You know, to play this game eight years at a high level. Um, a lot of people don't got the opportunity to do that. You know, and 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 for me to and for me to you know accomplish what I accomplished experience the things I got to experience, man, it, it, it really been a blessing. You know, I, I can't, I can't thank God enough for, you know, the people he put in my life, you know, um, the parents he, that he, he, he put in my life to mold me how I am. So, um, you know, I'm in a moment right now, so I'm just enjoying it. I want to just let everything just continue to soak in and we'll see what happens from there. So. What's great about this is who says you have to decide anything right now? You don't. You got exactly. you've got plenty of time. Your franchise has plenty of time. You should take this time to enjoy it, to love it, to revel in it, to go on James Corden, to go on all these shows <laughs> and and to, and to really, really have fun. Because I mean, if you've been working for this as long as you have, you know, you you've gotta you've gotta revel in it. Yes, sir. You got to enjoy it, man. Cause I waited so long for this. You know, I remember so many people talking about how I remember my coach, D-line coach, Mike Waffle, you know, I was my, my, my D-line coach when we was in St. Louis in our first, and I learned a lot from him. One thing he, he, he told, I remember being there as a rookie he, in a meeting room, he was like, my, my biggest wish for all you guys ain't, ain't, ain't the stats, ain't none of that. I just want y'all to feel that confetti of being world champions. <laughs> And I remember him, him saying that, and he called. We've we been talking. We we talk every week. He's like, hey, AD, go get it. Like, I, I want you to experience that. I remember so many people just told me how it feel, the, the experience. So I wanted to, I just, I've been waiting, like, waiting to experience this for so long. Like, So how confetti. did the confetti feel? I cried like a baby when I seen it. You seen it on TV. I, so it, I was good. You feel your emotions. You're happy. But once you see the confetti, you just put your arms out like, it's like wow. It's like it's it's a. I can't explain the feeling, man. I, any guy that that play a sport, you know, I want everybody in any profession they in to accomplish being a world champion at their at their profession. It's the best feeling in the world. I promise you. When you work for something like this, everything else, the in, individual stats is gonna come. When you just chasing a goal like this, and you really working for that, and you really putting the time in. When you when nobody's watching, you really putting that effort in, and you really grind and accomplish something like this there's gonna be so much great things that come with that like that's the best advice i can give to people or young guys is you know they're you know just work hands like don't worry about money don't play for stats don't play for uh, uh, individual awards play to be a world champion and really work at that and, and grind at that and i promise you you're gonna accomplish more than you ever thought you'd get accomplished because I would have, I could, you could, if you would have told me eight years ago that I would accomplish all this in this league in eight years, I would have smiled. I'd be like, I don't, I would have been like, okay, but I, I don't know. But when you really like, when you hard work pays off, man, it, it really do. When you really work for something, you you won't believe the things you can accomplish. It's just, it's, it's amazing, man. My dad, Aaron, I'm going to end with this. I just want to tell you the last memory I have of you from my trip to your training camp this year. There was a little 11 on 11 scrimmage on a Saturday and I was there and Stafford was playing against you guys. It was ones against ones. 
And I remember him, he went out, he faded to the right. He, he threw a sidearm throw, great throw was complete. And you went up to him and you kind of semi-hugged him. Yeah. And first of all, I know, I don't know you well at all, but I know how competitive you are and you hate it when people make plays against yeah. you and against your defense. Yeah. And I just thought it was so weird that you would have kind of hugged him. And I asked you afterwards, what, what, what was that about? And your words to me that day were, I just told him, I am so glad you're here. Yes. It's the truth, man, because like, I seen it in camp. Like, you know, you get the opportunity to play with a lot of people. You can see the talent that people got. And, 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 and when, he, when I was seeing like the no look throws in camp, like boom, like, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta give him his props. It's like, bro, that was, that was a hell of a throw. Like that's special. So I knew what we had, man. And I, and I, and I just, you know, I'm appreciative of a lot of things, man. I'm appreciative. We had a lot of heart to heart conversations yesterday. We was all drinking, having fun. And you got to talk to everybody, like really thank everybody, you know, to Cronky, to, um, to Les, you know, to um, Matt, to Bit Wick, to Vaughn Miller, to, you know, all them guys and really have conversations with them and, and, and let them know how much you appreciate them because, um, you know, we, we accomplished something special, man. We, we, we created a drink, we created a, a, a special team, you know, and, you know, we had a lot of high expectations. A lot of people was like, you know, but we had to, we had to bring it, bring out the life. And I think we brought out the life, man. And we, and we did something special that's, that's going to be forever, you know? So, um, when, when you when you think about stuff like that, you know, it just makes you smile. You know, you're just happy. You know, you're just happy. Aaron Donald, thanks so much for taking the time. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad. I remember uh, the first year I ever covered the Super Bowl was in 1984. It was Dan Marino's second year in the NFL. And Dan Marino was going up against Joe Montana in Palo Alto. 49ers against the Dolphins and Miami lost the game and everyone said to Dan Marino don't worry Dan you'll get back again you'll be at a lot of these games and he just nodded and after his career I got to work with Dan at HBO on the inside the NFL show and I could tell to this day it really hurts him to have never won a Super Bowl. And, and I always thought how unfair that is, that one of the greatest players of all time doesn't win a Super Bowl. And, and quite honestly, I would have felt similar if one of the greatest defensive players hadn't won a Super Bowl, you know, like you. You know, we saw Lawrence Taylor won a couple and, and Reggie White won one. And, and, and now you've won one. So, you know, you don't have that little, that little thing against you or, or, or sort of hanging there. You know, it happened, you won it. And in the last two plays of the game, you made the plays to make it happen. It's kind of cool. It's a blessing. You know, <laughs> it's like I experienced everything that I can experience in this league as far as winning team success from Winning the NFC West, we did that multiple times. Winning the NFC, we did that two times. Now being a world champion, I know how all that feels. So um, it, 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 it's crazy, man. Like, 
it's hard to put it in. I'm trying to find ways to put it in words, but it's just. Hey, like, you did a, you did a you did a really good job with me, and and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Happy for you, and whatever you decide, good luck in life. Yes, sir. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. My thanks to Aaron Donald for for playing hurt for uh, uh, doing this podcast and doing a long interview with me when. He was raspy, hadn't slept nearly enough in the four days after the Super Bowl. But I really appreciate his frankness uh, and his real description. I just love hearing the stuff about, you know, how he got pushed early in the third quarter when he had a legitimate hit close to the boundary, but not out of bounds on Joe Burrow. Uh, The Bengals, a couple of Bengals pushed him. Words were exchanged. He goes, okay. You want to play mean? I'll play mean. (laughs) So anyway, really appreciate uh, Aaron Donald joining me. And as always, I appreciate my partner on this podcast, Paul Burmeister, uh, for doing such a great job and working with me so well during the course of this season. Thanks a lot for listening to the Peter King podcast, maybe even watching the Peter King podcast. And we'll be back next week with another podcast previewing the offseason and the NFL scouting now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.